So today on Easter, there's a striking thing that's not mentioned because it can't be mentioned. And that is what it was like for Jesus to rise from the tomb. No one is there to see it. Mary Magdalene, we just heard, happens upon an empty tomb. And that is a very profound thing. That in man's redemption, no one's there to see it. No one's there to supervise. No one's there to see how it happens. And so it is in man's creation. That no one is there to see it. Adam is simply there, arriving in a world that is already created. And even when Eve is created, Adam is put to sleep. No one is there to see the very beginnings of man's origin and the very beginnings of man's redemption. We have this great desire as humans to be able to kind of rediscover our innocence, to be able to go back in time, to start in the garden again. We have all these movements throughout history that attest to this. Whether it is like the new atheism or communism or uh, the desire to believe only in the powers of science and technology for man to grasp what is his, to redefine his origins so that he can set out what his promised land will be. Man hungers for this. He thirsts. And we have something very profound that Jesus teaches Mary of Magdala. Earlier in the Gospels, and Father Broussard pointed this out last night, which I thought was beautiful, and so I'm going to steal this as well, is Mary of Magdala is the one who goes to Jesus' house, or the house of a Pharisee, and weeping goes to Jesus' feet, wipes them clean, because she who has sinned much is now able to love much. And so Mary, who desires so terribly after seeing her Lord crucified, she was there for that, desires so terribly to be reborn, to escape this world of suffering and of pain, When she goes to the tomb, Jesus is not there. It is an empty tomb. And the first time that she does see Jesus, she goes right back to where she started, at his feet. And what Jesus says seems to be one of the most curious and insensitive lines in the Gospels. Do not touch me, woman. For I have not yet ascended to my Father. A profound thing. Man constantly tries to rediscover his innocence. To go back to Eden. To make Eden present again. But what Jesus does is that he rises from the dead without our supervision. And then immediately says, we're not going back to Eden. I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. To backtrack 
whenever Mary happens upon this empty tomb and she's confused, she does not know how to interpret this event. This event that, yeah, Jesus is not dead. Evil and death has not won. Sin has not won. But where do I go from here? She doesn't go into the tomb alone. So often we go into the tomb alone. We decide, yes, maybe Jesus is Lord. He has conquered death. He has conquered sin. But I don't know what that means. And we do not bring the church with us. What Mary of Magdala does is that she goes back to the church. She goes to Peter and she goes to John. She goes to, as Hans Urs von Balthasar says, the church of hierarchy in Peter and the church of love in John. And what happens? We heard that John and Peter both run to the tomb. And John runs there first. And it's not just because John was younger and faster. But because John symbolizes this church of love. He's the one that lays on the Savior's breast. He is, and it's love that propels us to seek where Christ is now that he has conquered sin and death. But as he approaches the tomb, and though we love the Lord, we do not know exactly how. And so he waits at the gate of the tomb, and there right behind him is Peter. And he says, Peter, hierarchical church. Come behind me. Walk in there. What do you see? And what Peter sees, the hierarchical church, is something very profound. Something that we're not really able to live without the church that Jesus establishes through Peter. And that is that he sees the burial cloth separated from the head napkin. Showing that Christ, the head of his body, the church has now risen, has now separated himself, has now allowed himself to enter into a whole new way of living while living in a world of sin and death. The Jews knew this. The Jews knew, yeah, we're going to rise in the last day. What was profound and shocking was that the resurrection would happen while the world is still in sin and death. And that is what the hierarchical church That is what Peter interprets for us. That we can rise in a world full of sin and death. And that the resurrection that we participate in is the bathing of water and baptism and the re-cleansing through confession. It's the bathing that Peter himself was offered just three days ago at the Last Supper when he said, Lord, you will not wash my feet. And Jesus says, well, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. And Peter says, well, not my whole feet, but my whole body. His body in which he desires to be baptized. But he says, you have no need of that. You've already been baptized. You have only need to wash your feet. We have need to wash our feet. We who have been baptized have need to live a resurrected life in the midst of a world of sin and death. And so at this time, Jesus still offers that profound, mysterious invitation to not look for salvation outside of him, to try to go back to Eden, to try to make the kingdom of this world 
a place to find rest. But in the midst of this Calvary, in the midst of this place, still where sin and death prevail, that we live in a new resurrected life. As we remember our baptism when we were buried and died with Christ and then rise to him with new life. At this time, we will make that same profession of faith beginning back in the tomb from which we started of the baptismal font to live risen with Jesus Christ.